What is it that gives that sense of anticipation, that sense of hope, that a sense of expectancy for me in life? And I identified seven different statements. And so I bring those to you by way of really a personal testimony of here's what can lift us up. And with each one of these, there is a scripture verse, two or three verses, as we'll walk through this. So the very first one is the Christmas story itself, Luke chapter 1. The Christmas story is one that is marked by expectancy. The people of Israel were anticipating the coming of the Messiah. And in the fullness of time, God sent his son born of a woman. God stepped into our world and initiated events which created a, a great deal of expectancy. An angel was sent to Mary to proclaim that she would give birth to a son by way of the Holy Spirit overshadowing her. Not only that, the angel said... He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. It's one thing for Mary to be informed that she would give birth to a child without any sexual engagement, but then to also hear that this child would eventually rule forever and ever. The word, I think, is, and it's a word that's used in the Gospel of Mark, in different places, is the word amazing. Amazing. These events that would, would have transpired in the incarnation of, incarnational event with the, the Spirit of God coming upon, Jesus, upon Mary and then also saying and pronouncing to Mary that this child that would be born, be born to her would rule forever and ever. The Christmas story is marked with a heightened sense of expectancy. I suspect that Mary and others with her went, went scrambling to their Bibles, their Old Testaments as we would know it, looking for clues about that which was unfolding around them. So did Mary, as she went to the Old Testament looking for verses that might speak to this, did, 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 she, did she discover Isaiah 7.14? And the sense of awe and the sense of mystery and the sense of amazement when she would have read Isaiah 7:14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now the Christmas story is unique and it stands alone, but again it carries with it this amazing sense of expectancy, this air of energy that would have been happening with the, relate, with the events related to the Christmas story. Now, going into the second one, a second piece that brings a lot of expectancy to me, uh, I would identify, and it's still related to the Christmas story, is that of prophetic revelations. And going to the story of Simeon in Luke chapter 2, details related to the birth of Christ eventually transition to the temple experience where Jesus is presented. The story includes a man named Simeon of whom the Bible says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Luke chapter 2. Now talk about expectancy created. The Spirit of God came along to you and said you're not going to die till this event that happens out over here there would be a sense of awe, a sense of amazement, a sense of anticipation, a sense of, oh my goodness, what is happening in this world around me? And as a part of this, the Bible says he was moved by the Spirit to go to the temple courts 
where he not only found Jesus, but he also had opportunity to take the child in his arms and proclaim the message of salvation. Amazing, if I could use that word again. Amazing, some of the stuff that's happening here. God intersected with his life, and he was alert to not only what was happening and transpiring around him, but alert enough equally to engage in that, that which was transpiring around him as he proclaimed prophetically this message about Jesus. What happened with Simeon was a series of prophetic revelations. The Spirit of God revealed to him that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. Was it a dream? Was it a vision? Was it a divine impression? We don't know. It doesn't say. But further by the Spirit, he was moved to the temple where the Spirit then spoke through him prophetic words about the Christ child. Now, when we look at the Annunciation story, the story of the angel speaking to Mary, announcing this to Mary, it's unique and it could be argued as kind of removed from our personal experiences. But when we get to the story of Simeon and how the Spirit of God worked through his life, it comes potentially much, much closer to us. I want to suggest that any time, at any place, the Spirit of God can show up by way of the prophetic gifting, be it a word that we receive from someone else or a word that we feel compelled to convey to another person or to a group of people. The fact that Spirit-initiated prophetic revelations can happen at any time for any one of us can generate within us a spirit of expectancy that truly is a gift from God. And when by faith we lean into that reality of the dynamic possibilities associated with the Spirit of God, we are moving away from the status quo into something that's dynamic and energetic. Which is suggesting again, as I move along in life, as you move along in life, the Spirit of God, as with Simeon, if we take this seriously and we take the prophetic gift seriously as uh, outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Spirit of God at any time can give a prophetic word to you, a divinely inspired word to strengthen, encourage, and comfort as outlined in 1 Corinthians 14 and to bring a tremendous sense of encouragement to someone else. Or equally as well, not only receiving, but the Spirit of God can likewise work through me or any one of you to convey in very ordinary circumstances an extraordinary word from the Spirit of God to enlighten, to energize, and to live in that world, to live in that mindset, gives me a phenomenal sense of expectancy. Because the reality is that we walk in the potential of the supernatural day in and day out. I want to suggest the third one, and the third one is related to the Spirit of God <coughs> as well, excuse me, and the third one is, I'm going back to Genesis chapter 1. <clears throat> uh, in Genesis chapter 1, the, that which creates expectancy in my life is this sense of there can be divine impressions, divine thoughts from the Holy Spirit at any point of time, especially when we are looking for creativity in our lives. I contributed writings to the Advent devotional book with the first one based on Genesis 1 connected to the Christmas story. And that devotional and all of the ones for the first week is about expectancy. Genesis 1 indicates this. <clears throat> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. 
Now, the Spirit in Genesis 1 was about to do something very significant. The creative work of the Spirit was about to begin. Creation was about to unfold with the Spirit of God. Earth would be transformed from that which was formless and empty to that which embodied form and life. In our life, there are times that we might deem as formless, empty, and dark, the language of Genesis 1. Yet our faith asserts that the Spirit of God is fully with us. He is in us, but it's also appropriate to envision Him as being over us, or as in the language of Genesis chapter 1, hovering, ready to do His creative work. In the devotional, I draw attention to a presentation that Elizabeth Gilbert gave on TED Talks. Elizabeth Gilbert is the author of Eat, Pray, and Love, the highly acclaimed book with which equally became a successful movie. And for those unacquainted with TED Talks, it's a free online resource providing a multitude of video presentations, talks on topics of interest. Gilbert, though not speaking from a Christian perspective, speaks of inspiration that comes from outside of oneself. She was speaking on the inspiration needed as a writer. She had this one book, uh, Eat, Pray, and Love, and, and her fear was now, could she write another book that would be as successful? The title of her speech is Your Elusive Creative Genius. And her presentation suggests that, in a sense, all creative ability comes from an outside source. Inspiration somehow comes from outside of us. I mean, it's a wonderful presentation, it's a very insightful perspective, but lacking in only one or one critical point. Bill Gilbert could not specifically name or pinpoint that primary source of inspiration. And when I was watching that video for the first time, I immediately found myself saying to her, Miss Gilbert, Miss Gilbert, it is the Spirit of God, it is the Spirit of God, it is the Spirit of God who inspires wholesome inspiration and creativity. The Spirit of God in the Incarnation story with Mary and then later with Simeon is with us now and ongoing. And obviously our stories are very different. We're obviously not involved in the creation story. We're not involved in the Incarnation story. Obviously we weren't involved. But nonetheless, our lives, our potential contributions matter to the Spirit of God who can at any time, in any place, in any setting, which may be deemed formless, empty, and dark, bring life and vitality. And we stand to be, 24-7, we stand to be inspired by the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God who was there in Genesis 1, 1 and 2, who was hovering over the creation which was dark, empty, formless, and void, stands over us and can inspire us. That, that creates expectancy for me. And if we take hold of the Spirit of God, not only in the prophetic realm, but we also take hold of the Spirit of God as actively involved 24-7 with us. We need inspiration at work. We need inspiration with our families. We need inspiration with our community. We need inspiration with our church. We need inspiration in our financial planning. I want to suggest to you that the Spirit of God is with you 24-7, hovering over you, wanting to bring creative ideas. And, and, and inspired. It, that word inspires. In spirit. In spirit. The Spirit of God 
who brings creative ideas. The Spirit of God brings creative ideas for the writing of poetry. The Spirit of God brings creative ideas for expressions of art. The Spirit of God is there. Creates a sense of expectancy. The Spirit hovering over the waters would also hover over people like, I would suggest, David in the writing of the Psalms and over Hosea in writing one of the prophetic books. Those men were carried along by the Spirit of God, 2 Peter 1, in their respective writings. And so I'd like to suggest a, a fourth one and a fifth one, one with, with David and then one with Hosea. Uh, but with David, and, and the one that I would identify, where is there an added measure of expectancy in my life is uh, in challenging times. When I'm down, or I'm oppressed, or I'm downcast, or things are working against me. Things are challenging. Uh, I mean, those are the emotions that flow through the book of Psalms. And those emotions that flow through the Psalms, as a rule, the only exception might be Psalm 88, as a rule, those emotions always are connected with a message of hope, which is really a message of expectancy. So I'll give the example of Psalm 18. Psalm 18 is a testimony of God delivering David from the hand of his enemies. He speaks of distress, describing as cords of death entangled around me. But in the midst of his distress, God breaks in. And when we look at these verses here in a moment, it is, it is as if David, a thousand years before the first Christmas Emmanuel event, experiences his own personal Emmanuel experience of God coming down to him. So 18.9, he parted the heavens and came down. God came down. God came down. He came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. Why dark clouds? Because God was miffed with the enemies that David was facing. So God comes down to him in the midst of his challenging situation, his distress, his frustrations in his life, his depression maybe that he was experiencing as well. And not only does God come down, but then in verse 16, he reaches down from on high, took hold of me, and he drew me out of dark or deep water. God's breaking in on David's life would then prompt him to write in verse 46 in that psalm. He says, the Lord lives. Praise be to the God. Exalted be God, my Savior. And then also even in verse 1, which is kind of the summary of the psalm, I love the Lord, oh my God, and my strength, he articulates in verse 1. Though not explicitly stated here, one can sense the confidence and the anticipation God will be there. There's an expectancy embedded in his spiritual being. It has become part of his DNA, his spiritual DNA. And we, because, because it, it is the word of God and there's expectancy there, we can borrow from that. So when I am distressed and frustrated and downcast, it's good to be reminded of verses such as Psalm 18 or that image. God parting the heavens and coming down is, is David's testimony. And equally us to be able to say, God parting the heavens and coming down. Into my, it, it creates expectancy that which then begins to lift one up out of the darkness and into a sense of light and hope. In times of stress, we do well to lean into expectancy, believing and hoping that we'll have our own personal Emmanuel-type experiences with God. Verse 9, he parts the heavens and he comes down. 
and he comes to us. I suggest that the next one, which is Hosea, the fifth one out of these seven, and, and, and really what gives me expectancy as well is, is, this, is revival, is, is awakening. Revival has been defined as uh, arrival is none other than the arrival of Christ in a new way, in a manifested way, in a powerful way. We come, we come overwhelmed by the holiness of God. So expectancy is there with Hosea in Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. I'll give you the abbreviated um, text here behind me. But come, let us return to the Lord. It's a very, very common line and expression for revival. After two days, he will revive us. There is expectancy there. It's a short period of time. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. Our part that we play in this is we, we seek the Lord. And as surely as the sun rises, he will appear. And the context of Hosea chapter 6 is one of disobedience and waywardness. And, and the prophet in the midst of this makes the appeal for a return to the Lord. And the promise is that the people would be revived. And in short order, two days. And in the midst of this line, as surely as the sun rises, he will appear. God will appear. I've never seen the sun fail to get up in the morning. And that be true for all of us. It's always there. Well, it may be cloudy some days, and uh, but the sun is still there. It's, it's there. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. As surely as the sun rises, let us, let us acknowledge him. Let us press on to acknowledge him. I have this hope, because I'm a student of revivals and awakenings, I have this hope that somehow, someday, revival will come to our nation. Um, in the sovereignty of God, in response to the prayers of his people, God has come at different times with an unmistakable visitation, marked, marked, marked by an overwhelming sense of his holiness. And as humanity, and especially believers of Christ, wake up to their holiness of God, we discover our own sinfulness and we discover that we need to be updated in our relationship with God as we confess our sins. But that marks revival and awakening an overwhelming sense of the holiness of God, not only among the people of God, but in society as a large too, as depending on how broad and how wide it is. Um, one of those revivals, one of those awakenings was 1857-1858, in which started in New York and known as the Great World Prayer Revival, and a kind of the wind of the Spirit blew all over the world. There are all kinds of people that were impacted by this, and especially in the United States, there's all kinds of business people were shutting down their shops at noon, and where were they going? They were going to the churches to pray and to call on God. It was an awakening. It was a revival. It was a moving of the Spirit of God. And there are those that would suggest that many of the denominations that were shaped out of that revival, maybe not directly related to and to the revival itself, but because of the wind and the movement of the Spirit of God across the world, that some of those very denominations that were started at that point in time were those that were a part of the revival and awakening in the wind of the Spirit. And we, as Mennonite brethren people, we were birthed as a denomination in 1860, just a year or two after that great start of the revival and awakening across New York and beyond. Come, let us return to the Lord. After two days, he will revive us. There's expectancy there. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. That's our part in cultivating this. And as surely as the run, sun rises, he will appear. There is expectancy.
expectancy in that. As surely as the sun rises, in our circumstances, in our community, in our nation, as surely as the sun rises, He will appear in a new and an added and a manifested way that brings us awareness of His holiness in our presence. <clears throat> Revival is none other than the arrival of Christ and it's often associated, and it is often associated with a new level of discipleship by the people of God, which takes us to number six of these seven. Mark chapter eight, discipleship focus. And the expectancy that comes when there is added measure of discipleship by the people of God. I'm presently re-memorizing these few verses out of Mark chapter 8, 34 to 38. We have this emphasis in our church about discipleship. And, and so I went back to, in Scripture, what are some of the most challenging words about discipleship? And, and so we'll have on the screen behind us just uh, verse 36 out of that text. But these are challenging words. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And in that, in that is expectancy. And when there is added measure of focus of discipleship and following in Jesus Christ, there is an added sense of expectancy in terms of what will transpire through my life as the Spirit of God works through me. Discipleship is an ongoing journey because in the Gospel of Luke, when Luke is with this passage of Scripture, he doesn't say just take up your cross. He says take up your cross daily. Every day I am to take up my cross, die to myself, the Galatians 2.20 passage, really? Die to myself and live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not sure all I will eventually see and experience in this journey, but I know thus far it has been invigorating, it's been demanding, it's been fulfilling, and most importantly, this Christian life has been very abundant. When I became a believer in Jesus Christ, John 10.10 10 was the verse that really caught my attention. I came that they might have life and that they might have it abundantly. I am living in that life of abundance, and I am anticipating more of that abundance, there is an expectancy that more of that abundance will be unveiled and will be a part of the journey that I'm a part of. And that would be true for you as well. One of the Advent devotionals <clears throat> for this week, written by uh, Val Buron, and you'll see it when you read the devotionals, speaks of their family traveling west when the kids were smaller. It was the first time that the children would see the Rocky Mountains. And Val writes, when we arrived in Drumheller, one of them looked out the window and said, wow, are these mountains ever great? As parents, obviously, they responded by saying, uh, just wait till you see the real thing. Now, we are already seeing the real thing, but we're, we're going to see even more. We're in a journey here. We are seeing, going to see far, far far more than we presently see. And those who walk with Christ and those who are in this focus of discipleship, there is that sense of expectancy then that comes with this. And it is a gift of God to us, this expectancy, this anticipation, this hope that we journey in 24-7 if we choose to, if we, we lean into the gift of expectancy as we cultivate that gift of expectancy. 
And then the final one, and would be no surprise, but is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Just wait till we see the real thing. Revelation 21.7, Jesus speaking. Jesus saying, look, I am coming soon. Blessed, blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. A couple of years ago, I was in a classroom situation. Someone else was leading it. It was a, a leader, and there was about 25 young adults that were part of that, that experience, that classroom experience. And I was there for a whole week. It was a seminar, and there were about maybe five or six of us from different walks of life that were not originally, initially, generally part of that class. Uh, but uh, this, in this Christian class, this leader and the and these students and the and the leader obviously had worked through this. But uh, and I was there Monday to Friday in this classroom setting. But two or three times during the during the day in those settings, he would somewhere unexpectedly stop and he would say, "Come, Lord Jesus." And the students knew how to respond. They they immediately these young adults said, uh, "Perhaps today, come, Lord Jesus, come." And then he would repeat it. He would say, come, Lord Jesus. And then the students would respond again by saying, perhaps today, come, Lord Jesus, come. And um, again, they did that two or three times in the course of a day. Um, It was refreshing. We are so, so locked into the here and now. We are so locked into our calendar. We are so locked into the stuff that's in front of our noses. It's hard to remember this piece about the coming of Jesus Christ. We don't have a lot of prompters to remind us, as they were doing in this particular spiritual Christian setting, where the leader of this class would take that initiative and remind them, Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, come. Jesus spoke of us being alert to his second coming. We clearly were not participants leading up to the first Christmas story. But we are participants leading up to what will be, what I suggest, even a larger and more expansive story. The second coming of Jesus Christ. The Christmas story fleshed out, calls for, even demands, an occupation, preoccupation with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Living there is living in expectancy. So as we move to conclusion, worship team, you could begin to come up if we invite you up. Expectancy is a gift. Expectancy is a confident anticipation that we will see God's goodness. Expectancy is an anticipation that God will intersect with our lives. And how do we cultivate it? Two key thoughts we put on the screen behind me. Keep seeking God. Jeremiah 29.13 is a key verse in this idea of expectancy. There are all kinds of verses that could be itemized. But you will seek me and you will find me. There's expectancy there. You will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Part of it also would include keep asking God. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. There's expectancy there as in this spiritual journey We keep asking, we keep seeking, we keep knocking, we keep approaching God. I learned of a new fear this past week. I never heard of the word before. It's a new word. The fear is FOMO, F-O-M-O. It stands for fear of missing out. On Wikipedia, there it is. You'll find it. It's a fear 
of being marked. Uh, it's a fear marked by an unhealthy preoccupation with staying connected electronically lest one misses out on something. So it's kind of like, and I've heard of this. I've heard of a person that would take their cell phone, I guess it's waterproof. My phone is waterproof. I would never take it in the shower. This person would take her, her was it her? Take, this person would take the phone into the shower lest a text was missed. FOMO, fear of missing out. The greater missing out, I would want to suggest, which should be a fear for us, is missing out, even though it's not articulated kind of explicitly, but, but it's there all the way through Scripture. Actually, Scripture pulsates with this whole idea of expectancy from Genesis to Revelation. Biggest missing out might be not living with a spirit of expectancy. It's the gift of God to us. Uh, lean into the gift. Cultivate expectancy. Seek the Lord. Ask, seek, and knock. I would include with this word, which is this dynamic word from Scripture on expectancy, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever.